we have to really think about coaching our clients and seeing our clients because we don't get the story or the journey after just one appointment. We need to see them. And I think that can be thought of as a negative. Oh, you have to see them all the time and it costs so much. Well, no, we're actually changing everything. We're changing their diet. We're changing what they eat and drink. We're changing lifestyle. We're changing and nobody can do it all overnight. Well, I guess you're just trying to get the patient to see things differently. And some people get it quickly and some people you're constantly over time trying to get them to to really think once the penny dot drops Mm. and people understand what's behind naturopathy or nutritional medicine and the holistic philosophies. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists, and practitioners responding directly to the needs of a practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business, something clinical, you'll get the variety you need to enjoy and stay motivated in practice. So thanks for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast for our episodes. If you'd like more support, get in contact, and I look forward to working with you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. How the devil are you? So today I've got a real treat. I have got Daniel Baden. I'm sure he needs no introduction. Many of you will know him. He's sitting there. I can see him. You can't. And his face is having a good laugh at me. So Daniel has run a number of companies and he's in our Facebook groups and we see him giving seminars. He's given some amazing webinars, especially recently over the last few years, and he's very kindly going to talk to us today about starting out 35 years ago, I did get that right, 35 years ago as a naturopath, and how he's segued from that one-to-one clients to starting companies and still seeing clients and mixing it up, really. So, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you here. What an absolute pleasure. I'm really excited. Thank you. So when you started 35 years ago, I mean, like it's like me and that you would have written everything down and it was manila folders for all of the clients yes. and everything was on paper. So anything you miss from back then? I don't oh, got to say. I kind this. of liked it. You know, I kind of like writing things down and I probably still do. I used to have filing cabinets at home in the shed full of old patient files. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we only have to keep them for seven years. I've still got a few in my drawers, but most of them are waiting to be shredded That because I've been online for two and a three years now. So I'm like, it can't be too much longer. It's another five years of all that paper and then I can shred the lot. That is a good <laughs> feeling, actually. It is a really good feeling that it's just saved under somebody else's energy as well. It's not even saved in my own energy. So when you started out, did you envision that you would always be one-to-one or that you would start businesses and make product? What did you see for yourself 35 years ago? Oh, look, I thought I'd be a one-to-one practitioner for the rest of my life from Adelaide originally. Mm. And I used to play a lot of football and Mm. I thought I'd start off life wanting to be a chiropractor because I I used to go to a few. (laughs) That'd be great. I like sport and I like chiropractic makes sense and, you know, work with sports people. But I was too late to get into the course and I saw this thing for naturopathy and I didn't even really know what it was. And I rolled for a year while I was waiting to go to chiropractic school. And oh, wow, this is really interesting. 
I had no idea either. I went to the college wanting to learn shiatsu massage and mm. I got there and they said, oh, we haven't taught that for a couple of years now because, of course, it had been the yellow pages that had directed yeah. me there. And they said, oh, we haven't taught that for a couple of years now. And the girl they said, go in there. Got a herbal class just started. You'll love it. All the nurses yeah. love it. Just go in there. So it's just like you just found yourself there. And that's yeah. what you found yourself doing, like me. It's amazing. Yeah. One door opens, one door closes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when was your first foray into like the bigger business, into making things and creating that? Well, it just happened organically. So when I was a student in Sydney, I used to work as a part-time rep for a company and I was representing Orthoplex at the time, mainly. <laughs> so I was working closely with Henry Asiki. And when I graduated, he said, do you want to be a distributor in Sydney? And mm. so I thought, oh, I don't really know, do I? And I did so. We used to, I used to practice during the day and at night, I'd be putting products, Orthoplex products into boxes and sending them out to practitioners. And that was, you know, because I had a couple of young kids and desperate and uh, just doing what you had to do, really. So your first business was a distribution company, really, wasn't it? Yeah, so then it grew and I had other brands and I thought I saw a bit of a gap in the market and I thought, well, the gap was that people wanted a bit more education with the products. So we were sending the products out, then they would ring the next day and go, by the way, what's this product for and how can I use it better or what else is there or those sorts of questions. I thought, we'll build on that a bit. So I started doing personal research into the different products and trying to answer people's questions because I was interested myself. Uh, But if you can help someone, well, why not? And it kind of just grew and and people started ringing more and more and then other brands got attracted to us and we had offerings to go other brands. So I started a a general distribution business called Traditional Medicine Supplies, which Mm -hmm. kicked off in 1989. It grew to be quite a significant distribution company, which we later merged with another brand. Didn't go too well. That's the learning, isn't it? That is totally the learning. something, (laughs) Something might close one door and then what was the next door to open then? That's so. right. Well, then, and then at the same time-ish, I, I'd started in 1999 with my good mate, Harris, who, and I met Garth through traditional medicine supplies. He was one of our clients. Right. Uh, he right. was one of our wholesaling clients. And Garth and I got on really well and we shared the same visions for naturopathy. And we used to both be in practice. We both used to wedge about patients going into a health store or pharmacy and getting our prescriptions changed, which yeah. used to really annoy us because you'd really give a yeah. product to somebody because there was a particular formula or ingredient or something in the product you wanted that patient to be on mm. and they get swapped out. And then we thought, oh, why don't we just start a couple of our own products, things that we mainly use. And that's how yeah. Biomedica started. Wow. And so it was just Garth and I just really making products for our own selves, our own use. Yeah. And yeah. then that started to grow. And then a couple of years later, I had a good relationship with the Oborns, Barry Oborn and Jill Oborn. Yep. You know, we started a brand called Optimal RX, which is a herbal liquid brand. Love it. Uh, and then at the same time, I had another little business. My wife was working in the business as well. And we had another little retail product called Papaya, Pure Papaya Ointment. And then it came about because I had a couple of patients that actually had some reactions to common papaya ointment out there. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the formula, I realised it was basically Vaseline with a touch of papaya yeah. added to it. And yeah. so we produced one that was natural and that went really well. And that we sold that business. Mm-hmm. And in fact, now I've sold everything. So I'm just a little old me. 
Well, you're <laughs> podcasting at the moment, aren't you? You've started your own podcast, The Patient Journey. Uh, patient story, yeah. Patient yeah. story, sorry. Right. Patient story, my apologies. And on the patient story, there's all the discussion about each individual client and about what people did, what practitioners were doing for those clients. It's a real yeah. learning. Look, I started podcast. because, look, to be honest, the profession and the industry have been very good to me and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it and loved it. And I just feel like I want to give back. Yep. And so the patient stories is a, uh, a non-profit venture just to try to increase the footprint for natural medicine. And I got really sick. I was on so many TGA committees and things, and I just got so sick of the Friends of Science and Medicine and all those sorts oh. of people saying, oh, it's all unscientific, none of it works, it's all rubbish. We just see so many amazing results as holistic yeah. practitioners. The power that we have is really in our patient. So yeah. the success of our patient is our strength. And I never felt that we ever used that enough. Totally That's what the patient story is about. It's really about telling the real stories of people that have had success with natural medicine. And sometimes I'll talk to the patient and sometimes yeah. I'll talk to the practitioner presenting a case study. Or sometimes it's both. I just release one and we both talk together. Oh, and wow. so oh, cool. it's really cool because it's a patient and a practitioner. It's a journey you go on together. And that's the nature of naturopathy, I think. Oh, absolutely. I think the journey with the client is really important. And I had a discussion this morning with a mentee and she said, well, she has two to three new clients a week. And so I said, well, that means you've got 10 to 15 returns a week, correct? She's like, I have no returns. No. It's like, there's no journey. You can't, it's like going to, on a Monday, you learn all about netball and how to throw the ball. Yeah. You will have forgotten all of that by Saturday and you're going to lose the game. So we have to really think about coaching our clients and seeing our clients because we don't get the story or the journey yeah. after just one appointment. We need to see them. And I think oh, yeah. that can be thought of as a negative. Oh, you have to see them all the time and it costs so much. Well, no, we're actually changing everything. We're changing yeah. their diet. We're changing what they eat and drink. We're changing lifestyle. We're yeah. changing and nobody can do it all overnight. Well, I guess you're just trying to get the patient to see things differently. And some people get it quickly and some people you're constantly over time trying to get them to to really think once the penny drops Mm. and people understand what's behind naturopathy or nutritional medicine and the holistic philosophies, they adopt it. They go, oh, this is obvious. This is great because I feel great. And our clients in different stages of life, more able to make changes than in other stages of life. So the mother with all the children, it's going to be really difficult. Her change is going to be very slow comparative to someone who's by themselves as a single person who can have the new shopping list as of next week and change what they're eating. Whereas the mother with three small children is probably producing four dinners a night because everybody's eating a different food. And so there's no point putting peas on little Johnny's plate because he won't eat them. They're all going on little Susie's plate instead, et cetera, et cetera. So meeting our patient where they're at so that we can help and support them through change. And it is change and change takes time. So with your clients, all those clients that you were seeing for all those years, how long on average would you see them for? Do you remember? Well, look, it took me some years and probably not towards the end of my working or paid career that I realized the importance of, of understanding numbers as much as anything. And I never yeah. used to really 
spend much time worrying about how many patients would come back or return visits mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. But I maybe five years or 10 years ago, I got myself a mentor who really took me through the transition of understanding all the numbers better. And I wish I had that information or that way of thinking earlier in my clinical practice yeah. because I would have understood my own clinical business more. Like I was busy a couple of years to get busy and yeah. it would be good to get that earlier. So I think numbers are really important. So you really understand yeah. what you're doing and what you yeah. number to come back. But I would actually probably see some clients. I still see, actually, I still have a couple of patients now who are, you know, I've had for 30 odd years <laughs> and yep. seen their children and grandchildren yeah. and that sort of thing. But usually it would be anywhere from three months to six months until yep. I felt that they had got on top of what they were yeah. in to see me for. Some patients, it was two or three years. And if it was oncology, it might have gone for five years. Because you also get to a point, and this is a tricky thing, I think, for practitioners, you may feel that the patient is better and well-empowered to look after their own health, but they, especially with those chronic insidious diseases, may feel that you are the crutch that they need. And so the journey is then trying to get them to build the confidence to leave you. It's interesting. I mean, I've got clients who've been coming to me for absolute years. And then I think to myself, I don't need to see you. Why is you coming to see me? And then I realize, well, there is actually something going on. And they do, and I'll get a phone call. I need yeah. to speak to you. Because I find that a lot of what I do is counseling. A lot of what we do is, yeah, we give out a medicine, but we're with the person for half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it is. And that's longer than they get with other modalities. Well, and so. All that, yeah. So that, thought, sorry, go ahead. Go I was just going to say otherwise. So it means that we're able to build this relationship with them because we're spending that length of time with them. We're able to develop that rapport with these people so they feel comfortable in our presence. And so as they change, like you said, that you're seeing the client, you've seen the grandchildren, you know, that means that as they go through their life, they have different health issues. They've gone from, you know, barley belly when they first met you all the way through to having a baby to so their life changed in going through menopause or they've gone all of the different stages that they go through. So when you're thinking to yourself, oh, why am I seeing that person? And then they rock up and you're like, oh, hi, how are you? Thinking? What am I going to talk to them about? And they go, I've just started having hot sweats. Okay, we're on to a new thing. <laughs> totally different to when I saw you last time. I was wondering what we were going to do. So you build that relationship and you they grow with you and you change and you support them. And some patients I found particularly the ones that have been through really nasty conditions, like near-death type Mm. of conditions. I really felt that what was critically important to them was to have an amazing support network around them. And Mm. sometimes the work would go away from me doing one-to-one, but inviting their family in with them to the consultation. So, Mm. you know, it happened a couple of times, but really I just thought it was just so important that everyone in the family unit or close friends, Mm. if they didn't have a close family unit, understood what their role was with the person and and why supporting their friend or lover or parent or whoever they were was so critically important. And just go through some of the issues around that in the consultation. And Mm. I thought that was incredibly powerful for the patient, actually. Absolutely. Knowing that because often we don't know what our role is and there's often grieving to do from the other members of the family. You're sick, but there's survivor guilt. There's all of these other things that go with, why are you sick and I'm not? How come you got that thing and I didn't? Yeah. Um, And I also find people come from a a place of fear sometimes. So mm -hmm. 
you know, there was one situation I remember where a partner, 20-year partner-ish, wouldn't ask the patient who had cancer, quite significant cancer, how they were feeling and all that sort of thing because they were scared to ask, you know, so that it was their fear that yeah. was limiting their ability and, and the patient was dying for them to ask and talk about yeah. it. But yeah. because of their own fears, they couldn't. So that was yeah. one of the things that came up in the family consult, which I thought was amazing. That was so powerful. It was such a, I remember because it was just such a moving day. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, that would have been. That would have been really significant <laughs> that both sides realizing that they're holding out on the other one, that yeah, things are yeah. so different to what they'd perceived initially. That's right. So that's an a, amazing insight for them it's both. A, it's a matter of communication often and, and just really understanding what each person's needs are. Absolutely. You know, not assuming. That's incredible. Yes, yeah. don't <laughs> assume. Definitely don't assume. So when you trained in college or 35 years ago, with the consults themselves, because when I trained, they were like, oh, just book the follow-up for a month, six weeks. Was that what you were told when you trained? Like the follow-up should be miles out? I think it was initially every two weeks. I, yep. I remember the training. And that's, look, you just, once you're in practice, you kind of work it out. If somebody is desperately ill, there's some patients I'd yeah. want to see twice a week for a short period of time and then stretch yeah. it out. Yeah, And there was some that you'd go, look, come back in six weeks. Six weeks was the longest for most patients. Eventually they went to three months for some time. Yeah. And for some patients, it would be like a checkup once every six months or once every 12 months, depending on how we both felt things were going. But I kind of feel that once you're at the once every 12 month stage, that's when you lose a lot of contact because people forget and you send reminders and they don't come back. And Absolutely. I'm very relaxed with my 12 month people that I have. Just I contact them and say, do you really need the appointment? Do we have to, what do you need? And see if they need it. Sometimes I'll come back. I've got a couple of gentlemen that come back every 12 months and like, oh, no, I couldn't not see you, Geraldine. You've helped me so much. I'm like, oh, I feel yeah, really guilty. Yeah, but yeah. then you find something else and they're like, well, it's generally something. It's quite interesting. The last gentleman that I saw, he was like, no, no, I couldn't not come. And I was like, you know, what are we going to talk about? And we proceeded to talk about how he can support his grandchildren nutritionally. Yeah, right. So it was a totally different. He was like, look, I get the grandkids now and I'm a bit worried about what I meant to be feeding them because we'd changed his diet so much. Yeah. And he was like, like the daughter-in-law, she doesn't want them having sweets or anything. And I'm good with that, but I wasn't sure what do I do? You know, treats because treats yeah. are sweet. I'm like, well, that's never a treat. A sweet is not a treat. And so we worked through what to do with the grandkids. It was a really interesting consult in that, did I give him anything? I didn't give him anything. It was literally a discussion about being the grandparent and providing healthy food for the grandchildren without getting into trouble with the daughter-in-law. And she reminded me of where, uh, and you can, I think this only works with very young children, but yeah. the parents and all grandparents had convinced the child that mandarins were treats. So when they behaved, you go, would you like a treat mandarin? Kale is your mandarin. <laughs> now that's a good one. So if, yeah, if you're going to do treats as food, mandarins are definitely a winner. Because I was like, bribery is fine. Like going to work, that's bribery, man. Don't worry about it. Bribery is fine. But just make sure that your bribes are healthy bribes. So, hey, Amanda, in, I'm all up for convincing a child that that's a treat. I don't know how you'd convince them it was a treat, but what do you do when they're out of season? I don't know yet. Maybe in Sydney you're okay. You can get them all through the year. i for following a macrobiotic type of diet. Not really. They're good old Mandarin. So with all your businesses, which was your favourite? 
Oh, I enjoyed it all. Traditional medicine supplies, I really enjoyed from, you know, I had that business for 23 years because we just talked to so many practitioners and it was just such a great learning. But then Mm. Biomedica Biomedica grew quite quickly and, you know, just having more in-depth conversations and I really love the narrative of Biomedica that Garth and I set up because... To be honest, we set up this business to support practitioners. We never budged from our word that we wouldn't. We only sold to practitioners. And we never, ever, ever changed once. And um, I'm really proud that Garth and I followed that through. So from that point of view, I felt really good about Biomedica. And I, yeah, the relevance of that to me for the practitioners was made it very enjoyable. And I developed a lot of friends through Biomedica and a lot of amazing practitioners. And it was such a wonderful learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're really pleased that you developed Biomedica because we all use the products. Oh, we're happy. Well, that is the practitioner. Well, we might leave it there with our bite-sized podcast. I would like to say thank you so much, Daniel, for coming and having a chat. And we're looking forward to the next instalment of your amazing life of what you're up to next. So we've got well, the podcast uh, and what's next? A patientstory.com. Look at the website. Yeah, patientstory.com. <laughs> It will be in the show notes, everyone, patientstory.com. It will be in the show notes so that you can easily click on it and follow it. But you know the deal. So it'll be the same for Daniel's as for mine. Make sure that you review. A five-star review would be very nice. And leave a comment because the more reviews get some more people listening and we want to share the love. So thank you very much, Daniel, for coming. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. That was fun. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.